Thank you, VP. Could I ask you guys to stand, please? And uh, I just, I just want to take a moment as we, as we begin this morning to, to get our hearts right. So, um, Jesus, I love you. Love your church. Holy Spirit, you've wrecked me this weekend. Now walk around with tissues in my pocket now because I don't know when my tears are going to come. But just because your church is beautiful and people are beautiful. And uh, thank you for people who say yes. Thank you for Mark and Candace Van Pletsen, incredible leaders in this community. And uh, we honor you guys for saying yes. We give God glory for the story here, but thank you for saying yes. Moving city, pioneering, building, building projects, building people, your love for people, your compassion, speak over your life and goodness and grace. Receive that. God blows new wind into your sails. Fresh courage for the season ahead. Psalm 23 says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not be afraid. For your rod and your staff comfort me. And sometimes in those darkest of places, hospital rooms, you find the presence of God like you wouldn't if you didn't have to walk those journeys. So be courageous, my friend. Candice, be courageous. I feel like God is roaring over you guys this morning. Come, great King of heaven. By the person and power of your Holy Spirit, and would you minister to every single one of us in this room that we may not leave here the same way that we came in, but strengthened, encouraged, hearts filled with hope, faith stirred, chains broken. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen. 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 Thank you, guys. Grab a seat. Thank you for standing. It's gracious of you. So Mark is, is absolutely correct. In, um, about 16 years ago, Amy and I, we moved into a flat in Century City that is literally just around the corner from the Century City location. I, w- I want to say, Tableview AM, if you haven't been across there, you should get across there sometime. Uh, incredible things that God is doing in that space. Yeah. And uh, at that time in our life, and uh, perhaps I should show you my family real quick because that's the right thing to do. So you have a little bit of context. So there's me and, and Amy and our, our three beautiful kids, James and Beth and Joel, and, and they're back home with their grandparents at the moment. And they would have loved to be here as well. And, and they love Jesus and they love the church. And um, I, I just wanted to give you a little bit of, a, of context into our story. When we lived uh, in that in that house in Century City in the flat. I think it was one of the first developments. I think we were the first tenants in there. So I cannot believe how things have exploded and how much things have grown in that area. Uh, but we were newly married when we, when we moved into that place. And something had happened just before, a few months before that. In fact, two days from now, it'll be 16 years ago that my father passed away from cancer. And when I was growing up, he was a radical man. He preached Jesus, he could speak Zulu fluently, and he ministered to the community. And and what happened is in that moment of his faithfulness and his teaching and preaching, some seeds got dropped into my heart, but they didn't take root for long. It's kind of the weeds of life grew over them. And when I went to boarding school, I I found pornography and alcohol. And just before going to university, I found Amy and she would become the woman that I would marry. But I had an incredible season of brokenness in my life. And, and there was a shift moment where God got, started to get my attention. It was the moment where my dad was diagnosed with cancer. And sometimes the storms of life come and you wonder, why is this coming? And, and the question is not to ask, why is this storm coming? The question to ask is, what is God trying to teach me through this? How's he trying to get my attention? I say that because some of you are facing storms of life now and you're asking God, why have you sent this to me? Why have you done this to me? And I just wonder if perhaps he's trying to get your attention for something because he's got a bigger story for you. 
When we lived in that house, we didn't go to church. Friends invited us to start going. And we would kind of arrive just on time because Amy's an on-time person, so we were never late, but we were just on time and we would sneak into the back row. Nothing against those of you in the back row. Uh, the back row is awesome. I just want to let you know, like, I've been there. And, and I, I, used to, I used to arrive just on time, and as the band was coming up for the response moment, we'd head out the doors because we didn't want to engage with anyone. Because we're like, what if they ask us to do something? Or what if they ask us for our money? Because we had this idea that the church just wanted your money and wanted everything of you. Let, let me tell you something. The church doesn't want your money, but Jesus wants all of you. And we used to sit in that row and what was happening over time is little things in my heart were starting to, to grow, but I didn't know it yet. I didn't know the story that God had for us. And I was beginning to climb the corporate ladder and Amy had a dream job here in Cape Town teaching deaf kids to speak at the Coral de Toy Center. But I had my eye on career and I said, I think it'll be a good idea for us to relocate to Centurion in Gauteng because it's going to be easier for me to build my career. So we moved city and we left the church here that we weren't really part of, but we were just kind of, you know, starting to get connected. And when we got to the city, we said, well, we need to meet some people because we don't know anyone in this place. So maybe it'll be good to find a church. So we went and we found a church. And, and on the first day, Amy did this thing, which was absolutely weird. She said, let's go and meet the people who lead the church. We're like, no. Why would we ever do that? Anyway. We did, and from that conversation, a school was planted, which is still running today, that serves previously disadvantaged kids. Just from one step, one conversation, one yes, one let's give it a go, one let's move forward. And a couple of years later, what happened is, is we were invited to join the leadership team, and actually the people who kicked us out of their life group to go and start our own life group are sitting here in the front row today. It's brilliant to have you guys here. It's amazing. All those years ago, we would sit on their couch with our firstborn and like moan about how difficult parenting life was. And, and eventually they said, hey, you guys need to start your own life group. And we're like, we don't know anything about leadership in church. And they're like, you've got this. Just get out of here. It was the start of us leading a life group. And then, and then a few years later, we were invited onto the eldership team of the church, and, and we didn't know what we were doing. And a couple of years after that, this, these things started to happen in my heart where I go like, hey, I don't enjoy my corporate job so much anymore, but I, I've fallen in love with the church. And there was this transition began to happen in my heart, and I found myself writing a letter of resignation. And, and I sent it in to my manager, and I, I told my mom, and she was like, what are you doing? <laughs> You've studied engineering for six years and you've built this career 10 years in corporate and you're giving that all up to go and work for the church. And I was like, yes, it's amazing, isn't it? We're, we're excited about that. And, 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 and we were starting to, to get captivated by Jesus and the local church. And then a little bit later into the story, COVID happened. And in that moment, things were, I mean, you know, we all went through it together, like everything was on its head, but in that moment, God started to bring something in, in our hearts to life again, and it was this idea of a church plant, a new story, and we read through Galatians 5.1, said, it's for freedom that Christ has set you free, so do not submit to a yoke of slavery, and this idea, this name is, is Free Church, and the adventure began. We started conversations and processing with Craig and Andy, who lead at Urban Life, and, and we invited Mark and Candace into the story, and, and Rich and Jax, who you guys know, friends of this house as well, and we began a journey together of church planting. 
And in, in November of 2021, Craig said to us, okay, the time is now. We've been waiting, waiting, waiting. He said, now it's time to go. And, and then the thing started to line up and a venue came and people came and resources came and blessing came and favor came. And last year we planted February 2022 into the city of Centurion and God is doing incredible things, not because of us, but, but because of his grace and kindness. And my story has been one of growing up on a dairy farm in the southwest corner of KZN to going to high school, to coming to university, to finding all kinds of messed up things on the way, but to finding a wife and starting a family and finding the local church and finding Jesus and finding friends and community. And now we're 13 years into our five-year plan of leaving Cape Town. Because we said, we'll go, we'll go to Gauteng, we'll make the money and then we'll come back and buy the house that we actually want to buy. But now we have a home there. And God is doing incredible things for us. And I say that to you just to encourage you to say that, that God has a place for you. In fact, I, I just want to tell you that you were made for this, yeah. that, that you've been made for this. And the biggest struggle that we have in life is to figure out what this is. Yeah. But let's begin there. You were made for this. And this for you might not be planting a church. It, it might not be moving city. But I'll tell you what this will have to do with. This will have to do with building people. You were made for this. You were made to build people because God loves people. And when you build people, God is gonna build you. You were made for this. But to figure out what exactly this is, I've found that you have to overcome three barriers in your life. And there could be more, but I've seen these things pop up again and again in my story, in my life. And the first barrier, the first barrier is one of insecurity. And insecurity speaks to the question of who you are. Who am I? So I feel like God has put something on my heart for you today just to remind you of who you are. The second barrier is one of isolation. Isolation is, is when we remove ourselves from community and we figure that we're just going to give it a go by ourselves and we don't invite people into our lives because, you know, people can be mean and they can be hurtful and, and I've been hurt before so I built walls instead of bridges so I remove myself from community and, and say, tell myself a story like it's just about me and God. And if you want to figure out what you're made for, you have to overcome the barrier of isolation. So it's insecurity, it's isolation, and, and the third one, idolatry. Now when I say idolatry, don't think of, you know, like, like a little silver artifact that you go home and you buy down to your idol, because you know, honestly, that's the idea that I used to have about idolatry. So I figured, well, I don't have idolatry because I haven't got an idol at home. And then I started to realize in my life journey that idolatry is way more about what I do with my time and my resources. It's about the things that I turn my heart's attention towards. So idolatry speaks to the question is like, whose will are you following for your life? Is it yours or is it God's? Because if it's not God's, could it be that whatever it is that you're doing and pursuing actually is idolatry? You were made for this. But to figure out what this is, you gotta, you gotta bring down idolatry. You gotta remove yourself from isolation, put yourself into community. And you've got to deal with your insecurity. And it's not a once-off battle, but there are breakthrough moments where you begin to settle things in your heart and begin to move forward. So to do this, to set this up, I want to unpack just one verse for you today. And it's probably, if, if you've ever been in a Christian bookstore, you've seen this verse on a cup. 
If you've bought something from Christian art publishers as a gift, you've given this one before. I mean, some of you could probably even say it with me without opening your Bibles and read it. It's Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Anyone want to give it a go with me? For you are God's handiwork, the NRV says. NLT, masterpiece. ESV, workmanship. Take your pick. For you, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared ahead of time that you may walk in them. And in that verse are those three barriers, those three things that we need to attack to figure out, well, what is it that I have been made for? Because I'm, on, I'm not there yet, but I've figured out, compared to where we were 16 years ago, I've started to figure out what is it that God has made me for? What has he created me for? What has he called me to do? And to do that, I figured, I've had to answer, who is it that I am, and where am I, and what am I doing? So let's begin there. I want to remind you who you are, that you are God's handiwork. You are his masterpiece. You are his creation. The Greek word in here is, I I, I speak Greek, kidding, it's like pomoia or something like this. The point is, it's only mentioned in one other place in the scripture, Romans chapter 1 verse 20, where God speaks about creation. So the idea is you are God's creation. Now, close your eyes for me for a moment and imagine God speaking. I I mean, some of you might still believe in the Big Bang and those kind of things, and, and that's okay, but just go with me for a moment. Imagine God speaks and he says, let there be light. God's creation. It's powerful. It's beautiful. You are God's creation, His handiwork, His masterpiece. The creator of the universe has created you. And God is not into making cookie cutter. He's not like cookie cutter approach. I'm going to make like 10 of you and 15 of you and 1 million of you. He's going to make, I'm I'm going to make you an individual and you an individual and you unique and you an individual and every single one of you is different and unique. And the lie that you believe that stops you from overcoming this barrier is that you need to be something else than God has created you to be. And this is what drives our insecurity is you feel like you need to be something else. You feel, and we tell ourselves stories that go like this. Well, I need to be what you think I think you think I should be. Think about that for a moment. I know there's a lot of think work in there. Like I just came to church to receive this morning. I want you to work with me. I think that I should be what you think, I think you think I should be. And when you try to do you something and be something that you're not, what happens, it takes a lot of energy and it becomes extremely draining. And you get to a point where you go like, I'm not sure if I can keep this up anymore because I'm tired of trying to be something that I'm not and I'm living with a dissonance in me. And and I I wanna let you know that there's no value in being a counterfeit. There's no value in being a copy. But the cultural narrative is that you need to be something other than what God has created you to be. And if you want to figure out what I've been made for this means, you have to settle your insecurities and understand that God has created you to be an original with value and beauty. And you may see some faults and flaws, but God doesn't think so. He says, you are my handiwork. Some of you have been wondering, what is in that pipe? Details people in the room. The undetailed people didn't even notice it. So let me, let me give you a little bit of an art lesson. Yes, correct way up. Does anyone know what this is? Anyone know who this is? Any guesses? Come on, Table View AM, you've got it in you. Anyone? 
It's a, it's a painting of Jesus. This, this is, this is the painting. This is it. This is painted by Leonardo da Vinci. It's called The Lost Leonardo. It is a picture of Jesus. I, I don't think it's a very good picture of Jesus. I mean, I'm not an art expert, but I, I don't think Jesus looked like this. And popular mechanics has, has told us different as well. Um, I'm not sure if I'd put this in my house. I don't know if you would. But, but this painting, it's got something in it called pentimento, which means that the artist painted something and he's like, oops, I made a mistake, let me paint another layer over it. So it's an imperfect painting. But because it's painted by Leonardo da Vinci, this painting, what is incredible about it, is it is the most expensive painting ever sold. $450.3 million on auction to a person from Saudi Arabia. So no one knows where this painting is now. It could be on his yacht, it could be in Ridda, like who knows? The most expensive painting. So, let's do an auction. Can I get five bucks for this painting? Can I get, can I get four bucks for it? I mean, I was gonna start at 10, but I'm glad I didn't. Anyone want like, one rand for it? 10 cents, who said 10 cents? You can buy this painting for 10 cents. Why is it that you are not willing to pay me at least $450 million for it? Because it's a copy of the original. And some of you are living your lives trying to be something that you are not. And there's no value in trying to be a copy. Even if you look like the original, even if you're the same size as the original, even if someone who's not an expert couldn't tell it apart, you are created to be an original with value. And you need to settle that, that God has created you to be unique with an original story and you don't have to be like anybody else. Because when you try to be like somebody else, you lose your value. And that painting is incredibly valuable because of the artist who painted it. And the creator of the universe created you. Can you imagine with me for a moment the value that you have? You are made for this. And God has created you as his handiwork for a purpose. And some of you today, something is gonna shift in your heart and, and you, you walked in here feeling like you didn't have any value because of your track record. And I feel like God wants to remind you through me this morning that you have value, that you are beautiful, that you are, your, are unique, that your track record doesn't determine your standing with God, but your relationship with Jesus does. That your unrighteousness and unworthiness, like God is the God who says in Isaiah 43, it's like, hey, I'm the one who blots out your sins. In other words, I don't wanna talk about them anymore. Can we move on? Can we break off the past and move forward into the future that I have for you? Can we settle your insecurities because it doesn't depend on your performance, it depends on the person of Jesus Christ. That's a word for somebody this morning, that you walked in here with unworthiness, but you walk out of here with a story, and you, this is how you do it, this is how you get it from your head into your heart, is you wake up tomorrow morning, and you look at yourself in the mirror, and you encourage yourself, and you say, I am an original, I am created, I am loved, I am worthy, I am valuable, I have a purpose and God has made me. You don't believe me, give it a go for a week and see what happens in your life. See what starts to happen as your confidence in who God has created you be start, starts to rise. Who are you? You're God's handiwork. 
When you understand that, it starts to settle your insecurities. You don't have to live to the expectations of people, of who I think you think, I think you think I should be. You're an original. But if you look carefully at that verse, it says, we are God's handiwork. And sometimes we take that verse and we stop it like, I am an original. I'm a masterpiece. And while there is truth in that, don't stop short of what the writer of the letter is actually saying. He says, together, we are a masterpiece. You see, God builds relationally. He builds into us as individuals, but to carry out the purpose, he puts us into a community. And the expression of that here is life changes church in table view. This is your we. Together, originals as one unique masterpiece, handiwork. And the lie that we believe is, well, it's just me and Jesus. You know, me and him, we're good. But people, whew, people have issues. In relational work, it's hard, and you get hurt, and people bite. I'm done with people. The church has hurt me. I don't go to church anymore because they did this, and they did that, and we have all these excuses. But the thing is that God builds people because God doesn't see people have issues or people as issues. God sees people have issues. And where we get it wrong is we see that people are issues. And people are issues. So I don't want to waste my time with people because they are issues. But I think God sees differently. He, he sees people have issues. And God loves people. So therefore, we as the church love people. And the one another is amongst us. And the people that are not like us. And the people that are difficult. And the people that have hurt us. And God calls us into those places to, to live with grace and mercy and forgiveness and, and the ministry and the message of reconciliation. God builds relationally. So if you, want, if you want to settle this thing of what is it that I made for, made for this, your insecurities is based on that God has created you and he's created you to put you in the context of community. We, the church, not me, the church, not I, the church. Not I come to just to receive in this church, but I come to be part and accept the invitation of what God is building. We, the church, together. We are God's handiwork. You know, when I was growing up on the dairy farm, my, my dad had a, a Cessna airplane, a Cessna 182. And some of you might be pilots in the room. And, and one of the things that you do, which is really important when you fly a plane, is do, do some pre-flight checks. And one of the things is that he would always like rev the engine like really high just before takeoff. And I asked him one day, I said, like, why is it that you do that? Because I don't climb in my car these days and like, like just put my foot on the pedal. Some of you do that. I don't do that. But, but some of you, you know, love the sound of your engine. So I asked him, why do you do this? And he said, well, what happens is if the fuel mixture in the plane is incorrect, it begins to foul the spark plugs. Now, if you think that thought through, if you've got a spark plug that's not working correctly when you're flying an airplane, it's probably not a good thing. So the, the revving of the engine like heats everything up and it burns the excess oil off the spark plugs. I was like, okay, that makes sense. I get that. Go for it. Like rev the engine. Get that oil out of the spark plug because I don't want the plane to be misfiring while I'm flying. You know the thing about a spark plug? It, is it can't fly by itself. But when it's in its right place in the plane and is operating correctly, 
the whole plane flies. And some of you are spark plugs. And you're not in the right place. And the plane is not flying right. But God has created you uniquely with a purpose. And some of you are upset because you feel like you want somebody else's purpose. And and you're trying to be like them. And it's draining. But when you step into who God has created you to be, even if it's a spark plug, the whole plane begins to operate and fly correctly. You were created with a purpose, but in the context of community. And for some of you, you need to take this word home and process and say, well, what am I going to do with this? How am I going to find my place within the context of a community? Because it's not about you and Jesus. It starts with you and Jesus, but it has to overflow to impact the people around you. That's why we, the church, because God builds people and he builds relationally and he sees not the issues of people, but people have issues and God loves people. So we love people. So to figure out what it is, I'm made for this. You deal with your insecurities. Understand God has created you unique with incredible value and gifts are are distributed and discovered and released through the local church. And and you might not have figured out what it is exactly. Like, am I the spark plug? Am I the propeller? Am I the wheel? Like, I'd really like to be the wing. God gives you a gift. And part of this journey of faith is to figure out what that is and to call it out of you. And here's the thing about gifts is that man will call you according to what they see. And they'll see like, hey, you're really talented at this and you're really talented at that. But God, he doesn't work that way. He will gift you according to your calling. See, man will gift you according to what they see on the surface, but God will give you the gifts that you need for the calling that he's created you to do. I never saw our journey coming. But as we go, I'm starting to figure out there are things that God has put inside of me and inside of Amy, my wife, that he started to call out that we never knew that were there. Little seeds that have been planted, little gifts that have been discovered and developed through the local church. And it's the same for you. And never, never make the mistake of thinking that the goal of this is to stand on the stage and, and to lead a church. It's no better or no worse than anything else. The most important thing is to figure out what is your, I'm made for this thing. So you gotta take down insecurity. And insecurity begins to evaporate in clarity of purpose. When you start to figure out like who I am and what I'm here for, insecurity begins to evaporate. And isolation, well isolation is broken down when you step into community. And you say, hey, you know what? I'm gonna commit to coming to church every Sunday. I'm going to find a life group and I'm going to connect in. I'm going to join a serve team because I want to break down the walls of isolation that COVID has built in my heart and hurt has built. I want to undo that and I want to be part of the story. I want to be a spark plug. And then the last one, probably the toughest one, is this thing of idolatry. And to do that, I ask you the question, what are you doing? What are you doing? with your life, with your time, with your calendar, with your schedule, with everything that you have, with your resources, what are you doing with the priorities in your life? What what are you doing in the story of the local church? You see, because the verse ends with this, that God has created us, we, his handiwork, for good works so that we could walk in it, so that we could do them. Did you know that following Jesus actually requires a response where we do something 
And we don't just receive the teaching and say, well, that blessed me today, but actually we're part of the story and God invites us. It's a privilege that we have to be part of what God is doing to see the kingdom of heaven come to this earth, that there's an invitation for you to be part of the story. You see, we have this idea, well, I'm just going to come and sit in the seats and get my word and then go back out into the week. But, but actually, it should be the other way around. Our hearts should build towards this moment to come together and worship, but then we're out, we're in mission in, in the places where we're working and your families and all those places that you're part of the story. So, so what is it that, that you're doing? And some of you might be th- sitting here and say, well, that sounds like, a, like you're telling me what to do. Like that's a, isn't that like a workspace doctrine? And this is, this is the biggest struggle that we've seen in many people's minds when they begin to follow Jesus, is this idea of, okay, but, but it, it's salvation by grace through faith. So that's like a free gift, right? But now you're telling me I have to do some stuff. Like, what's up with that? I don't know if any of you like to watch Impossible Engineering. A- anyone in the house? You guys are a little bit of a tough crowd. I, I got to come up with some better. Seriously? No, engin- no like fellow engineers in the house? N- nothing? Not one. One. There we go. Okay. Come on. And a couple more hands. There we go. The courage is coming. The courage is calling it out of you. I see that courage in you. So there's a show called Impossible Engineering where, where you guys like tell stories of all these incredible things that they've built. And the one of them is that, that I watched recently is about this massive sea crane. It's one of the biggest vessels that moves on the ocean. I mean, this thing can pick up heavy stuff, about 20,000 tons. So imagine like 10, 15,000 cars. It's a ship that can pick up that in one go with these two big cranes. And the way that it works, it's got these big ballast tanks, like thousands and thousands of Olympic swimming pool sized tanks under the ship. So when it gets ready to lift something up, it fills these tanks with water and they pump the seawater into the tanks and the ship starts to sink into the sea. And what this becomes is a counterweight for the load that's about to pick up. And, and when it's ready and the tanks are full, then the cranes reach out and picks up the heavy load and then can start to move through the sea. And there's a balance between the weight that's underneath and the weight that it's carrying. This is how the gospel works. Is the understanding of salvation and grace is the foundation, the ballast tanks. It's the thing that holds you secure. It's, it's, your, it's your anchor. It's your platform of stability. Is understanding that coming to Jesus, you don't have to get fixed up first. He's the one who sorts you out. You come to him broken and unworthy with all of your story and all of your mess and you bring it to him and he puts his cloak of righteousness upon you and he declares that you are forgiven and that you are free and you are loved and you are my son and you're an original with a plan and a purpose. This is the thing that you hold on to. But don't stop short because he's created you to carry heavy things. And you see, if you do one without the other, it's going to end badly. If you don't have the foundation of understanding the truth of the gospel and what Jesus has done for you, and you try to pick something up, you're going to sink. And at the same time, if you just fill your ballast tanks with grace and grace and grace and the message of salvation, and I love that, but you, you just sit in a chair or sit in your workplace and actually just, I mean, you agree with everything that Jesus said, but you never actually respond and begin to do what he said, then you're like a big floating hulk of steel out in the sea that has no direction and no purpose. And you need both. So you understand the grace. Jesus gave his life 
not just to forgive your sin, but to release you into a life of purpose. And how you figure out what that is, the local church is like the practice ground for that, where your gifts are discovered and developed. And, and what is it that, great, that God has made for this? What, it, what is my story when it comes to that? This is the place where it gets real. Because God will always build people and he'll always build relationships. So your purpose is not about your job title. It, it's not about where you work or where you live or, or what team you serve on. It's about how you build people. And when you start to understand this, what is it that I'm doing? Really, this comes from a, a submission of your will. Because my life has been one where a lot of the time I say, well, I'm going to do what I want to do. And, and I'm going to do the things that I think make sense to me. So I'm going to decide that we're going to move city. And I'm going to do everything that makes sense for me. Until it came to a point that I realized maybe my will and God's will are a little bit different. And maybe some alignment needs to come into that. And idolatry is broken in the surrender of will. When you say, God, not my will, but your will be done in my life. When you understand that God has created you as a unique, individual, beautiful person with a purpose in the context of community that is discovered and worked out in and through the local church and released into a broken world that so desperately needs to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you have a heart that says, God, not my will, but yours be done. It's in that moment that you start to discover, I am made for this. And it's not the guys on stage, it's not the guys in the parking lot, it's not the guys on the kids' team. It's you, and you, and you, and you, and you. And you've got to keep telling yourself that. Because the world, the culture in which we live, it tells us a different story. It says, no, 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 no. You need to be like what you see on social media. You need to look like that, and you need to live there, and, and, and you've got to have that car, and you've got to have that bank balance, and if you don't have those things, then you haven't made it. And the gospel, when it begins to grab a hold of you, it flips those things upside down, turns them on the head, and says, that's not the story, that's not true. The creator of the universe has created me to be unique and beautiful yeah. with a purpose, yeah. and, it, and it gives me the person of the Holy Spirit to live in my heart to empower me to do the things that God has called me to do. So I don't have to do it by trying, but just being by filled up those tanks of grace so that I can operate in the calling that God has for me. And I want to tell you, every single one of you in this room, those of you that are watching online, you have a calling. And if you've decided to give your life to Jesus, you've already been called. And some of you are sitting waiting saying, well, I wonder when God's going to call me. You read the book of Ephesians, it says, of the calling that you have received. It's on the shelf. Just go get it and start to read what God has already said to you. I started the story, I said in 2007, 16 years ago, two days from now, my dad passed away from cancer. And in just a few days, it'll be three months since my mom passed away from cancer. And, and, and these two moments are kind of bookend moments of a chapter of my life where God has done incredible things. And it puts faith in my heart and courage that I don't know what's next. But if you keep saying yes to God, and I think Amy preached a word about that this morning. If you keep saying yes, he, He's going to do things with your life that are going to impact people around you in an incredible way. And it's not about you. 
You're part of the story, but it's because of God's heart and love for people. For God so loved the world that He sent His only Son, Jesus, to give His life that anyone who would believe in Him would have eternal life. And some of you, you've been in church for a while, you've heard that verse. But can I challenge what you might be thinking there? You might be thinking this idea of, well, when I die, then I'll go to heaven and then that'll be eternity for me. So I'm glad that I trust Jesus because I have my faith. You know, I've got my ticket to heaven, so I'm good. So I'm just going to wait until the end of this life and then I'll go to heaven. It'll be eternity. But what I've seen in the transition, both of my parents from this world into the next is that they didn't die then, 16 years ago and three months ago. The moment that they died was the moment when they gave their hearts to Jesus. When they took a decision and said, I'm gonna put my faith and trust in you. And the old me is gonna die. And the new me is gonna come to life. You see, the moment when you step into eternity is not the moment when you physically die here and then you go to heaven. The moment that you die and come alive is when you reach a decision point and you say, well, I'm gonna give my life to Jesus. I'm gonna surrender my will to him because the text teaches us that it's in that moment that the old you is put to death and you are raised to life in Christ. And baptism in water is just a picture of that, of the old you dying and you coming alive. And if you're in the room and you've given your heart to Jesus, you're in eternity already. So I just want to remind you this morning and remind you of who you are, that you're a masterpiece, an original, God's handiwork that He has created to have a purpose that is discovered and worked out in the context of community, which is your local church. So what are you doing about it? And some of you are doing incredible things under the hand of God. And I say, keep going. Fresh courage to you. And for some of you, today's decision point. Say, well, what am I going to do with this? I need to go home and have some conversations and, and, and some processing and think about what does this actually look like for me? I, I just have a sense that there's so many people who follow Jesus are just kind of hanging on to this life and going, when's it going to end? When am I going to get out of here? When am I going to go to heaven? The calling upon your life is to be part of what God is building from now, today, into eternity. And you know what? The human heart was never created to live with insecurity. That's why it's so draining. The human heart was never designed to live in isolation. That's why it's so painful. And the human heart was never designed to live with idolatry. That's why it's so restrictive. But the human heart was designed to be secure. It's God's beautiful creation. To live in community. And to live for the will of the Father to set aside the idols. And for some of you in the room, it's decision time today. I said, there's some things that I've been believing and proclaiming over myself about who I am and I need to change that today. I need to change the narrative, the story that I'm telling myself and rip those lies out and replace them with truth and bring down the walls of insecurity and build upon the foundation who is Jesus Christ. And some of you, you've been isolating yourselves for whatever reason, and it's not to invalidate those things, but I just want to challenge you and say, encourage you, could Jesus have a better way for you? Could he be calling you back into the story? Could he be inviting you into something that's bigger than yourself? Could it be that he's created you to have a part in the greatest story ever told that God is busy writing? Do you want to be part of the story? And could it be that he's calling you to lay down some things 
some ambitions, some dreams, and align your vision and dreams with His dream for your life. Because His ways are higher than your ways, and His thoughts are higher than your thoughts, and His dreams for your life, they're way bigger than anything that you could ever begin to think or dream or imagine. Could I ask you to stand? I'd love to pray for you and call us to a moment of response. Thank you for being gracious. We may have gone a little over time. I don't, the clock up the, wasn't moving at the back there. So, But I do trust that, that you haven't heard what I've said, but that you've heard what God has said to you. So while these guys are getting ready to lead us in a song, let me ask you to close your eyes just for a moment. Still your hearts. Holy Spirit, I invite you into this moment. And I, I want to call you to respond in those three different, those three different uh, um, areas of insecurity, of isolation. Of, we're good. We're good. Come, Holy Spirit. For those in the room who are, have been wrestling insecurity, and to some extent all of us do, and it can often be an ongoing battle and coming around the mountain again, but for, particularly those who walked into the room this morning, just feeling completely unworthy and defeated and discouraged. I speak over your life. I speak over you the security. Psalm 16 verse 8, when the Lord is set before you, you will not be shaken. You build your life upon that platform. If that's you, could you just, just, just raise your hands? I'd love to see who I'm praying for. Open hand, show an open heart. Would you bring your security and your peace? The kingdom of heaven, righteousness, peace, and joy over people wrestling with insecurity. No more from this day. Would you bring a confidence, a security? God, a, a new perspective of who you've created these beautiful people to be, originals, unique. Would you break off the chains of comparison, of expectation that others have put on them, that they put on themselves? Would you set them free? Set people free. Set your people free this morning. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. For those of you who've isolated yourselves, this is the moment. This is it where you take a decision. I'm going to ask you to, to, to lift your hand up and say, I've intentionally isolated myself, but today I make a decision to press back into community. If that's you, lift your hands and say, that's me. Come, Jesus. Come, Jesus. You know, the Father's, the Father's heart towards you is, is one of love and compassion and openness, and He's welcoming you celebrating people who are coming back home, coming back into community, come and be part of the story. It's messy and it can be hard work, but God builds relationally and He wants to build with you. And for those of you who've been chasing after other things, the decision in your heart to say, Jesus, I wanna follow your will for my life and lay aside my ambitions and my dreams and all, everything that's about me and just go, God, I wanna go after your heart and your will. If that's you, would you lift your hands? God, you see hands raised in this house and these, these hands are signs of open hearts. And I pray for your, your, your Holy Spirit just to fall in this, in this room into hearts that are open towards you. And would you come and breathe your life, your confidence, your good and pleasing and perfect will upon us. Would you come breathe your dreams into life and hearts this morning? God, things that have been long forgotten. Words that have been spoken, would you come and remind us by the person of your Holy Spirit about the dreams and the plans that you have for us to build your kingdom. God, thank you for the privilege that we have to be part of the story. And Jesus, thank you that you didn't just give your life so that we may be forgiven of our sins and, and go to heaven one day, but you gave your life and were raised to life by the power of the Holy Spirit to release a new humanity upon this earth. 
you come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus.